Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning. I'm Layla, and you're listening to a day of prayer's morning Bible study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the word, LaCharles, can you open us up in prayer? Yes. Lord, I just thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you for allowing us to have another opportunity to get into your word, Lord. Just giving us an opportunity to be in your word each day, Lord. Not just on certain scheduled minutes or days, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for your insight and wisdom that you give us freely, Lord, without strings attached to it, Lord. Lord, I also just ask that you bless the listeners and the people who... Help this ministry, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, and welcome. Welcome, everybody. It's a pleasure to be back in the Word with each of you and, and with those listening. So um, we are continuing our study of 1 Corinthians, and this morning we're in chapter 13, or 15, excuse me. So with that, could I get a volunteer to read the first 19 verses, please? I will. All right, promise. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I, which I preached to you, which you also received, and in which you stand. By which, you, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that, that word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by, C- seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. The last of all, he was seen by me also, as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles whom who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by grace of by but by the grace of God I am which I am what I am, and his grace to, toward me is was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and you so you believe. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been risen from the dead, how do, some, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we have found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. In fact, the dead do not rise. If, For, in fact. If, in fact, the dead do not rise, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have been perished. If in this, in, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men the most pitiful, 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 pitiable. pitiable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Let's go ahead and read verse 20 with that. 
just to fin- okay. finish that up. But now, Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Didn't want to leave it on that note. <laughs> Amen. Sorry. No, that's good. So, as is our custom, open the floor up for each of you to have the opportunity to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you and to ask any questions that you have. John, this is something we've talked about several times, and I think it's um, important just to frame this, um, the time when this was written. So many people don't really recognize what was going on with Paul and the time frame in which this was written. So in relationship to um, Christ ascending, how many years have passed now before Paul has written this? Would you share that with the listeners? Uh, so Paul wrote this approximately in A.D. 59. So... Um, we're looking at approximately 30 years um, after Christ's death. So, and, and it's estimated or um, assessed, it's probably a better word, that he wrote this while he was actually at Ephesus in the three years that he was, that Paul remained at Ephesus. Um, so just for a little background. Um, so he was, you know, as he was called by the Lord, moving and traveling and ministering and, and um reaping in the harvest and building up and establishing churches, you know, as the Lord was leading him, of course. And, you know, helping to set and establish structure that they could move and operate in how the Lord was leading and calling them to operate. It wasn't just to appoint himself as, as an apostle or head over a church for, you know, indefinitely, but it was to build up people that they could move, you know, m- mature grow, mature, but then also move in how the Lord was leading them, you know, continuing to adhere to uh, the teaching. And, and by that, I mean, it's the teaching from the beginning. When you really look at, you know, because I love this about you, brother, you, you bring out the, the Greek and the Hebrew constantly, right? And if so, if we look at the word Torah, right, um, it has been articulated or, or trans, translated as law right? Hence the law and the prophets. But if we look at word association, if you will, right? Moreh and Morah are male and female teachers. So the similarity there is, is more closely aligned with, it's the teaching, vice the law, right? So what Paul is doing is bringing out the, the teaching handed to Moses in the Old Testament. And, and admonishing people to adhere to that and continue to move and grow as the, the Holy Spirit gives revelation and utterance and, you know, just continue to grow and mature in Him and operate now He's leading. So, I'll pause there because I have a, <laughs> a friend who's actually writing, a, a, I'll say an article, but he is he's doing something to bring that out, the the, I'll say the word association part and how it more closely aligns the word Torah more closely aligns to teacher. So it would be teaching vice, what we have translated as law, um, which gives further credibility when Christ says, the teaching I give is not mine, but if anyone is willing, he will understand the teaching. Well, I just think that's important because you, you know, you shared with me, we, you know, in my linear thinking, and I think a lot of people are the same way, is that we you know, kind of see this as, you know, hey, Christ just 
died, he just ascended, and here's Paul writing this stuff. Mm-hmm. But there were, you know, it's easy to take it that way as you're reading this, mm-hmm. especially the way the Bible is compiled, mm-hmm. which is not always you know uh, linear in timeline mm-hmm. as we have right. the books of the Bible compiled. So this was not something that Paul entered into lightly and spent oh, no. many years before he ever even entered into the ministry after his encounter with Christ. Absolutely. And then many more years into ministry before he's actually writing this out. Mm-hmm. So yes. he's not only divinely inspired and patiently led by Christ, but he's lived it out as well, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to that point, you can find that in Galatians, how he had preached for, well, he had his encounter with Christ on the, on the Damascus Road. And then he did preach for three years, but then it says how the Lord brought him out into the wilderness for 14 years to be taught by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Even though he had studied, uh, well, whether you want to say the teaching or the law, right, his entire life, he was a Pharisee among Pharisees. So the Lord had to reteach him, if you will, accurately. So he understood with clarity and with accurate accuracy what the Lord truly intended. Mm-hmm. And that could only be revealed by the Holy Spirit, right? Because we in the natural can speculate and do all those other things. And, and, and you see that even with the, in Christ's time with the Pharisees. Like, how did you miss it? You know what I mean? You have the Lord of glory standing in front of you. How did you miss that? When, when you even asked him to state it plainly, who are you? And he did multiple times. He said he was the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And then even going a step further to crucify him. So, no, Paul definitely handled the work carefully. He took time. He let the Lord teach him and lead him and guide him in all things. And and now as he is being, I'll say, I'll, I'll say it in this way, he's fulfilling his calling and his purpose that the Lord intended from the beginning for him, right? You're seeing that play out, and he's exhorting others to do the same. But then also... He, he meant, makes fact mention of the fact of his, his um, experience with the Lord, right? because that at the time was one of the qualifications for an apostle. It was those that had a, a personal encounter, so that, that walked with him. And then he brings that up here in this chapter, and we'll discuss that in more detail. So I'll pause there, because again, I want to open the floor up to everybody to, to ask questions. But yes, this was written, again, approximately... AD 50. So we're looking at, again, approximately 30 years after Christ died and ascended. And I'll just put a round number, 30 years. Um, it's not exactly, but it's close enough, right, to put us in a ballpark. Yeah, and I, I certainly want to hear what everybody has to say. I just think, you know, this this clearly is, or certainly could be, the single biggest hinge pin of our faith mm-hmm. is what we're headed here. Mm-hmm. And so understanding... Mm-hmm the authority in which Paul is writing this and also understanding the how he has come to this conclusion and all that goes in behind this. This is not something that was entered into lightly. And and so Exactly. He has the credentials. He mm-hmm. has the time. He has the experience. He has everything to qualify him to make this statement. Mm-hmm. Because if it is not true, if Jesus was not the Son of God, if he was not God incarnate, if he did not die for our sins, if he was raised from the grave, then everything else is futile. And mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. I just wanted to set the basis for mm-hmm. 
how he's coming to this conclusion, where this is coming from, who this person is, without getting but so deep into it, so that we can really kind of land there and mm-hmm. take that out of the thought process of anybody that's listening. Just put that aside. This is truth. This is one hundred percent the absolute positive truth, and it is such a pivotal part of our faith. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So thank you for bringing mm-hmm. that up, brother, because mm-hmm. uh, you know that's a great point and. Uh, I knew we were going to discuss that. I just didn't know when. So thank you for taking the lead in the Holy Spirit. And I didn't either. Beginning with that. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. So again, the floor is open to discuss what the Holy Spirit is leading you to share and ask any questions that you have. So um, who wants to follow after Dean there? I all right. Will. All right. I promise. Let's hear it, sir. Uh, the Lord is leading me to, to discuss... Verses 12, wait, verses 12, not sorry, verses 14 and verses 20, where Paul was talking about if Christ isn't dead, then all the stuff that they were doing was futile, their faith was futile. If Christ isn't risen, it doesn't matter, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Lord is showing me that when they do that, they end up. He said that Christ is dead to them, but to other people, he's alive. In reality, he's alive, but he's dead to them. And they can't see what's in front of them, and they end up putting themselves inside of a box. So so do you mean if someone doesn't believe that Christ is risen? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. If they then say, he never rose from the dead, Christ is dead to them. He's or better yet, they are dead to Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they end up boxing themselves inside of a box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else, honey? And... And in verse 3, where Paul st- verifying that he was teaching them only the truth, so... People weren't going, well, is Paul really te- telling the truth or is he just trying to lie to us and get something from us? Mm-hmm. So Paul is reiterating saying, no, I'm not, sorry, I am telling the truth. Mm-hmm. This is how you know because he's plotting the timelines and going, okay, here's the proof that I'm teaching the truth. Mm-hmm. You think he's trying to reason with them and help them yes. to think, at the very least, logically, about maybe some of the, the ideologies that they allowed to infiltrate their their group of believers? Um, I think there was some something that he was... There's always false doctrine, and so there's something that he was countering that was a belief going on amongst the, the people there were people that didn't believe that there was resurrection from the dead. There were some that believed it had happened already and they missed it. There was a lot of um, false truth coming forth. And he was helping them in this point of believing there is resurrection from the dead. Just to think about it logically. If, you know, and now as, he, as he's counting out the facts. <coughs> excuse me. And reminding them just even basic. Does this make any sense? If you won't be raised from the dead, then that means your Messiah was not raised from the dead. And if that's the case, then what are you doing? 
you're wasting your time and believing in someone who is in fact in the ground just like anybody any other false prophet right but he has not been left in the grave he is is in fact raised and ascended to the right hand of the father so um helping them just to look at it just facts on the table here it is how does this make sense for one thing to be true, but then the other is not true. How is it to be, how is it sensible to think it's true that you won't be raised from the dead, but Christ is raised from the dead. When we are joint heirs with him, he's the first fruit. So um, thank you, sweetheart. You got anything else? Yes. What else? And I like verse nine. Wait. Yes, verse 9, and I like verse 9 to verse 11, where Paul was talking about, I like the fact that it wasn't me hiding and going, well, I'm the best apostle of all. I'm the one who Jesus loved the most. Okay. was going, well, he he actually gave them truth and saying, okay, this is what happened before I met Christ and wasn't trying to hide and go, well, no, that's not what I wasn't trying to play and trying to trick the people. But actually told them the truth of what he was before Christ came and saved them. Okay. And then he, he he does tell the truth about who he was and what kind of things that he did before he met Christ, which is the same place we all start. None of us is worthy of him. And none of us can live righteously without him, even if even in our best efforts. But then he comes back in verse 10 and reminds them that it's the grace of God that makes him stand today. Not because he got it all together, but because he believed in the risen Savior and now is allowing the grace of God to flow over his life and through him, making him someone new and usable by God to do whatever it is that God wants him to do. And I also like the fact that Paul didn't have fake humility and go, he didn't be fake humbly. The Lord, the Lord's had to save me more than once because I kept going, hey, why he went? He actually gave them the truth. He didn't try to be haughty or to, or be fake humble. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He's genuine. And he didn't condemn himself and go, it wasn't grace that saved me. It was the Lord's mercy. Well, it's, it's both, but he said the grace of God was the one who made me stand today. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is the grace and the mercy of God. It's God's mercy that he got another chance and that he was allowed an opportunity to come to Christ and his grace to keep him moving forward. Um, I th- it sounds like what you were saying was that he let God pick him up. Once he made mistakes and he brought those to Christ, he let Jesus pick him up and make him new. And he kept moving forward instead of continuing to dwell on his past and um, carry with him a guilt that is not from the Lord. God doesn't make us guilty. And um, is that right, sweetie? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was it. Okay. Okay. Anyone else have anything they want to share? Go for it, Lachance. Okay. 
<laughs> First, I would like to talk about verse 10, where he was talking about how he had become an apostle not because of his good, righteous deeds and that he was born to be an apostle, but he was saying that the Lord's grace, which was poured out to him, was what saved him. And inside of, I believe Paul mentions where he was saying that he was there at Stephen's death and how he was a consenter to his murder and how though he did all these wrong things, Paul didn't allow it to keep him from moving forward. He didn't allow himself to believe in Christ because he had done wicked things in his life, but he continued to move forward so that way those sins could be forgotten and can be forgiven. Because by just standing there in your sins and saying, Lord, I'm unworthy to do this and I'm just going to stay here, it's going to profit you nothing. You're still be in sin. And that's what happened in Jeremiah, how he was, all the people in Israel were saying, we're going to continue our sins because we're already in sin. And how the Lord is saying, no, just turn back to me. Then all your sins will be forgiven. But they decided that they're already in sin and we're going to continue in it because they thought it was hopeless and needless to go back and do righteous. They thought they were all going to be killed, so they thought they are going to do what they wanted. Okay, well, that's a, those are some great points, sir. Now, Paul doesn't bring that up here of what he did, right? Yes. He is focused on a, a few other points. All right, first, yes. first and foremost, he rewinds a little bit, right? Because in chapter 14, he was literally discussing order and structure. Right, that the Lord had created in the church, and order and the order and structure the Lord had created for our personal lives, in our households, in public, and ultimately in the church. Right? Yes. Like congregating together for fellowship, and uh, right because there's there's a difference. Right, we can all gather together, and but the focus is is the difference. Right? Yes. There's friendship and there's fellowship. And they're very different things. It's easy to gather together as friends. And we can talk about life and what, what goes on and all the rest of that. But fellowship is intent and it is focused on the Lord. And encouraging and admonishing and equipping and exhorting and edifying. Right? Yes. Each other. So that we move forward in the things of the Lord. It's very different. This is a huge difference. It's a night and day difference, right? So, and you can see that throughout Scripture, right? And, and this is why Paul needed to express the structure, right? Because if you look at all the things that he was addressing with the Corinthians, all these different issues, we have to understand the difference, right? So, because, and, and I say that because even today, right, there's, I don't know if it's a misunderstanding that, that some or many have, on what fellowship is, right? Because it's, it's the scripture is often quoted of, you know, don't forsake the the gathering together, right? And the yes. fellowship of the brethren. Okay. But let's let's look, and, and I'll say historically, but throughout the word, there were lots of people that gathered together, and they were all in unity, and they were all in agreement. And a lot of, I'll say, evil and wicked things happened. How many people were against Moses, and against Moses and Aaron? A whole bunch. <laughs> Everybody. Mm. Everybody. How many people were against Caleb and Joshua? Or Joshua and Caleb. Let me put in the correct order. Everybody. Literally everybody. 
There was only those two, which is why the Lord said, they'll enter the promised land and everyone else will perish in the wilderness. And, and those are just a few examples, right? Yes. So it's not just about the gathering together, but what's the focus of the gathering together? And fellowship, true fellowship, is gathering together with the intent and intention and the focus on the Lord to move and grow and mature in Him and in the things of Him. It matters. There's a huge difference between friendship and fellowship. Right? We should not exchange one for the other. But we should be focused on fellowship and helping each other grow and move closer and towards Christ. Right? Yes. So, so right after uh, Paul addresses structure in the church, right? Yes. He, he then kind of, I'll say, not backtracks, but rewinds a little bit, right? And discusses the basic foundation of their faith. Right? Yes. yes. But also how they came to the faith. He preached the gospel. The Lord used him to bring them into a, a right, a true, a proper relationship with the Lord. Right? It, it matters. And that's why in verse 2 he says, because of this, right? And, and, and he, he denotes how, how they received that word and they stood on that word. And then he, he puts in the, the caveat, if you will, right? Which is in verse 2. You're saved by that word. If you hold fast the word that I preached to you, right? Yes. But then he also questions it, unless you said you believed, but it's in vain, right? Which is why he then goes into the, the basic foundation of faith and, and the, the linchpin, as it were, that, that Christ, or that Dean pointed out, right? Was that Christ not only died, but he rose again <laughs> and then ascended into heaven, mm-hmm. right? Yes. But it was also prophesied. Right? Yes. It was prophesied by Christ when he said, and, and he brings it all the way back to the Old Testament. And he says, This generation looks for a sign, and the only sign that it will receive is the sign of Jonah. And what was the sign of Jonah? Correction. He stayed in the belly of the fish for three mm-hmm. days. Jonah 1 17. Mm-hmm. Right? And it says that the fish, uh, Swallowed Jonah. It was prepared for him. Prepared for him, and he swallowed him, and he stayed in that belly for three days and three nights, right? And then yes. was, well, essentially spit up, thrown up onto the shore, right? Yes. Okay. So Christ also prophesied what was going to happen, or prophesied, told the people plainly what was going to happen, All right? Here's the sign and the wonder. And then you have the Gospels that acknowledge that and give the accounts. This is what happened. And on the third day, right, they um, they went to go check the tomb and, and all that, and, and he wasn't there. But then you see all these appearances, and, and, and Paul is stating that. Hey, look, he, he rose again. And he, all right, and he goes into, as he has done throughout the entire epistle, right? He was seen by this person. He was seen by this person. He was he showed himself here, right, to 500 people, right? He, he, he just like, a, if you will, an attorney. He's presenting his case as 
Paul always does, or or an attorney or or an academic, right? He's saying, yes. look at look at all this proof, and here's here's this account, and here's that account, right? Without listing them out specifically, he's referencing them so that people can go look them up on their their own, that they can search out the scriptures to to verify if what he's saying is true, right? Yes. But also that their faith would be stirred up, because clearly that was an issue. People were, um, I don't say flippant or wishy-washy, right? But but there were, and he addresses it in, in this section of scripture we read, there were people that questioned whether Christ had risen again. Which is, again, as we pointed out, that, that's the linchpin mm-hmm. for our faith. They questioned whether or not resurrection was actually a thing. Exactly. If people could be raised from the dead. Even though there are accounts that even show that, well, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And the little girl, and right? Yes. There, there were multiple accounts of this happening. And of course, the well, they're great. The one that really matters is Christ. Mm-hmm. Because he's the, the firstborn of many brethren. Right? Yes. yes. Okay. It, it's on him. He's a sacrificial lamb. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Mm-hmm. He is the way, the truth, and the life. None other. Just him. So he's he's kind of laying this, this, presenting this case. And at the same time, he's defending his apostleship, his position in Christ. And you, you could call this a... Uh, you know, there's a prophetic element here, and and or you could call it foreshadowing, because in his second epistle, this exact thing, his apostleship, becomes an issue and is called into question. But the groundwork for it is already laid here, right? Yes. And even at the beginning of of this letter, this epistle, right? What does he begin by saying? Bond serving Apostle Christ? Nope. Not exactly. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. There you go. He doesn't, this is one of the rare letters where he does not acknowledge his bonds, that he's a bond servant. Right? He states very plainly that he has been called to this position by the will of God. Nothing else. Not his own. It's not he didn't seek it out. He didn't just uh, dub himself with the title of apostle. Right? Yes. It was given to him by the will of God. It was acknowledged by other people. Right? To include the apostles that walked with Jesus during his time on earth. Right? And, and again, the qualifications we were discussing earlier was that you had an actual encounter with the Lord. And Paul checked that box. No, that is the Lord checked that box for Paul. Mm-hmm. The Lord qualifies who he qualifies, which is what Paul is saying here. Mm-hmm. So he's also defending his apostleship. And, and as a result of, as we've gone through this letter, and all the issues that Paul is addressing, but at the same time admonishing them, right? Edifying them to build them up so they come back or return repent and return, come back into alignment with the Lord and what he's doing, right? You see why 
It's a different type of letter because he had to address all these issues. So he had to come or write in this, this case in authority and in the position the Lord had stated him, which is why, and, and of course, natural, in the natural, people tend to resist authority and leadership, especially when there's correction and reproofing that need that ha- is required and, and has to happen, right? So we should not find it a surprise that his position in Christ is the exact thing that's called into question in the second epistle, and that you see him defending, even though the groundwork was already laid right here in this chapter. Okay? Yes, So, and there are other things that he's addressing here, but I'm going to stop with that, and I want to give the opportunity for for anything else or any other questions that, that people have um, either on what we were just discussing and or, you know, to share what the Holy Spirit is, is leading you to share, of course. Um, I just enjoyed it when Paul had said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And it caused me, it reminded me to think about how God calls us. He calls us by who we are. I am, as the apostles say, I am known as I am known by the Spirit and not in the form of the flesh so he calls us not what we would call ourselves or what other people would call us but how he knows us as a spiritual being and it's um a comfort to know that when he calls you that's what he's calling you by amen and you see that throughout the word as well right even even gideon who was you know clearly questioning (laughs) that what the lord said right like are you sure like (laughs) <laughs> Are you sure about this, Lord? Right? Yes. But no, the Lord said what he said. He meant it. Mm-hmm. Right? But that's his, whether it's Gideon, whether it's David, right? A man after his own heart, even though we in the natural can look and say, well, look at all these different ways that this person messed up. Mm-hmm. Or, that, or that man would try to disqualify someone. It doesn't matter. Right? It's what the Lord says. Right? The Lord's testimony of Job is that he was righteous. And same with Noah. And same with so many others. Right? David, he was a man after God's own heart. It doesn't matter what man says. The Lord knows the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So I, I want to encourage people with that today. And the only way you'll find out what the Lord says about you is by letting him reveal it and s- spending time with him in prayer and his word, of course, but just cultivating that personal relationship with him. And how about we continue this tomorrow or the next time, right? Um, yes. Okay. I want to be mindful of of people's time so let's pause there for today and we'll continue this this discussion tomorrow or next time right okay okay can i get a volunteer to close out in prayer please yes i will all right Layla. lord i just thank you for today god and for your abundant grace and mercy that you display towards us lord and i thank you for the titles and the names that you have given us lord and that you call us by name lord quicken our ears and our hearts to listen to a for your word, Lord, to be quick to understand and grasp you, Lord. And I thank you for everything that you've been doing, Lord. Give our listeners peace as they go about through their activities during their day, Lord, and apply, give them grace, Lord, and give them favor in their workplaces, Lord, in their schools, in their houses, and anywhere that they go, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day.
Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.